Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Before we get started here, um, we're, go we're going to play um, um, Out of Sight Jeopardy and hear from uh, Marty Schultz. But, uh, and in just a minute, I'm going to announce the code that you will need, um, the beginning code for your CE, okay, your continuing education. While you're getting to write it down, I also want to announce that tomorrow, Sunday, July the 7th, in case you don't know, we're going to do a Note Takers Choosing the Right One workshop. It's called Note Takers Choosing the Right One. You may also earn a CE for that one. It runs from 1.15 to 2.30, and um, it's going to be held in the Riverside McQuaid room, which I believe is on the third floor. They did not list it in our information. So um, that's just um, how it is. But anyhow, we are running late, so we're going to get started with, um, with our game, and are, I'm going to um, just say one other thing that I, I was surprised in a way when we were allowed to do CE, um, CEs for this, but educational games are a great um, learning tool and teaching tool. You can adapt Jeopardy, which I do, for the classroom and just about any subject, and Marty Schultz is going to tell us about specific educational games. So all of that said, um, um, let me give you the code, which I just buried. They didn't give me a podium mic, which I ordered, and so I have to do everything with one hand. All right, so um, this is, of course, the Fun With um, Games workshop, and here is your code. We're going to give you an F today, so listen carefully. There's an F in it. It is 4B as in boy, 15F. That's... 4, B as in boy, 1, 5, F as in Frank. So, all right. So, um, real quickly, do we want to just, uh, do we want to divide into teams or do we just want to just go through and shout out the answers and just do it for fun? I think it'll go faster if we do yeah. it that way. Let's just do the shout yeah. out. We're ready. We okay. close the door They're closing it. They're closing it. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have Jeopardy, and then Double Jeopardy, and the Final Jeopardy. Now, the categories, we're just going to go through them in order. Um, the first category is out-of-sight musicians. Okay, so these are, remember, these are all blindness-related things, so out-of-sight musicians. And what I'm going to ask that you do is, um, when, as we're going through these categories, wait for the entire clue. That'll give you time to think. I'm going to read a clue, and then these out-of-sight musicians is going to have, it's going to have audio clues. So wait for the entire clue. So here's for one. He may be superstitious but he is truly a wonderful out-of-sight musician. And here is a song by him that, wait a second, is this not gonna work? What happened? Always something. Okay, just a second, let me just. Always something, just a second here. Oh, it, you know what? Something always goes wrong, don't you know? 
I had this all set before. Just give me a second. My speaker just conked on me. You know, my husband, Alex Trebek, should be here, and he was not able to make it. Adam Tender. Okay. I'm a, oh, that's right. I have to introduce myself. I am Alexa Trebek Hayes. Okay. There's your coach. So, he may very, be very superstitious, but he is truly a wonderful out of sight musician. Name this musician. Oh no, you all got it wrong. Remember, you must phrase it in terms of the questions. Okay, yeah. Um, Alex and I almost got a divorce because when we um, when we talk, I have to phrase everything as a question, and he doesn't speak to me if I don't do it for a week. Okay, Jeopardy for two. You can't stop loving this man singing this early 1960s song. Listen for the clue, please. So I'll just Okay. Who is Ray Charles? You are correct. And this is a wonderful song. Okay, he is out of sight. Okay, we are going to be ready for the next clue. Okay, Ray, you may stop. Okay. This this country crossover singer claims that it is almost like a song, but this sounds like a song. No, you didn't follow instructions. Okay, so. Whoops, whoops, oh, come on. Okay, here it comes. Right where you Okay, who is it? Very good, very, very good. Okay, now the next one is going to be um, for four, and this one is going to really make you think. So put on your thinking caps. This Italian operatic singer has recorded songs in several languages and is featured on this version of Ave Maria. Okay, who is it? Yes, very good. Andrea Bocelli, you're very good. Okay, final Jeopardy. I'm uh, not final Jeopardy, 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 but this is the final clue in this round. Okay, this jazz musician called himself the poor blind kid from Battersea and is featured with Michael Feinstein on this recording. Oh, somebody said it! Who is George Shearing? Okay, we're ready for category number two in the single Jeopardy round, and it is, bo -bo 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 -bo, it is alphabet soup. And here are all these famous blind acronyms, acronyms, and I'm going to say the initials. You have to identify what they stand for. So here's the first one, NBP. Yeah, what is? Yeah, what is? 
Okay, we did it. The second one. T-V-I. Very good. Third one. O and M. Very good. Fourth, uh, for four, O-C-R. Very good, very good. And number five, this is a toughie, B-A-R-D. Oh, I couldn't stump you, I couldn't stump you. Okay, um, all right, now the final round in Jeopardy is called Sound Judgment. And please listen for all the, the sound. Um, some of them are really short. What you have to do is you have to identify the sounds of these tools that we use or have used. Sometimes, sometimes it's daily, okay? So. Yeah, what is a Perkins Braille Writer? It's not just any Braille Writer, it's Perkins. Okay? All righty. All righty, here is our second one, and you're going to hear a lot of other things with it, so please listen to this whole one, okay? This is for two. Forget about that. Wait. Yeah, what is a cane? Those of you that said Slayton Stylist, pay double for your breakfast. All right, now this one is a real short one. So listen very carefully. What is a Victor Stream? Very good, a Victorator Stream. I did not stop anybody. Oh man, I thought that would do it. And this is a blast from your past, although some of us still use these things. A cassette recorder, and, and, and if you want extra points, what was it doing? Rewinding. Rewinding with tone, complete with tone index. Okay, could be fast forward, yeah. Okay, I think it was rewinding though. Okay, so, all right, you have graduated from the Jeopardy round. Now we're going to what would be if we were doing this for points, and aren't you glad we're not? Double Jeopardy round. Okay, with three spanking, no, you're not going to get a spanking, but three spanking new categories, okay? <laughs> well, teachers can't give spankings anymore because uh, corporal punishment has been outlawed, hasn't it? Okay, so um, we can't punish corporals anymore, right? So no more corporal punishment, okay? Probably sounds sad. <laughs> I sound sad. I knew I didn't take enough steroids today. Okay. The first round here is people, places, and things. Okay? So I'm, I'm going to try to read this with one hand. Born on... Okay, now wait for the whole thing before you do it, please. Born on January the 4th, 1809 in Coupray, France, he invented something that greatly changed the lives of people who are blind or visually or blind, and it sure feels good. Name this person. Very good. Now, located in Louisville, you gotta say it right, Louisville, Kentucky, or Kai, this facility is a prominent producer of Braille and large print textbooks and magazines and talking books. What is it? 
Right, National Printing House is divine. Very good, very good, very good. Okay, here's the third one. Okay, if you have difficulty signing your name, this device might help you to get the job done. What is the signature guide? Very good. And okay, when a guide dog is warning or is wearing this, he or she is working and cannot be bothered. What is a harness? Right, what is a harness? This is going to the dogs. All right, now this is the last one in this category, and it's a very difficult one. So please listen very careful, very carefully, I should say. Lee, yeah, Lee, don't forget property. Okay, here we go. The person who said, and this is a quote, okay, the person who said, the best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. Very good. And some of you might have that magnet, right? All right. Now we are going to go to out-of-sight music. This is another audio round. Well, three out of four audio. I didn't do the second one as an audio. But please, again, listen to the clue and the entire um, um, snippet. Okay, name this hit song from the mid-'70s. Okay, by Manfred Mann Earth Band. Okay. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. You know what? We skipped a clue into sound judgment. I'm going to give it to you right now. It's a hard one. This is another sound judgment. I, I just didn't realize we skipped a clue, so I don't want to jib you. Here it is. This is a sound. Listen real carefully. What is the liquid level in here? Very good! And the water gave it away. The liquid level indicator. Okay. All right. Um, all right, now we're back to the out-of-sight music. Okay, the rock... Okay, boy, Alex would fire me if he knew I did that. Okay, <laughs> then we'll get another divorce. You won't believe how many times we got divorced. Okay, here we go. Uh, the rock... Oh, no, I don't want that. Um, all right, name this hit song from the mid-70s. No, that we did. Okay, I do want this one. The rock opera about which... That deaf and dumb and blind kid sure plays a mean pinball. What rock opera? Who's Tommy? Tommy. Okay, next one. What is the name of this story song from the 1970s? Listening to the play by play. Waiting for warning Oh how he wants to hear This song get in the game Okay, that's all you But get. the boy's just not a Oh, you can't hear it. Can anybody hear? Does anybody, did anybody hear what that was? No. Okay, that was, what is the blind man in the bleachers? Remember that? Yeah. Okay, now those of you that are um, beyond boomer stage, that are all the younger, name um, the group featured 
um, um, this in this hit from the 1990s. <laughs> Ideas? Wrong. I'll let you listen again. Maybe this will give it away. No, the answer to this one is who is third eye blind? <laughs> gotcha! <laughs> Okay, last one in this category, I think. <laughs> yes, this is the last one in this category. What is this lost classic by the Fifth Dimension from A little magic, a little kindness. Oh, oh I can't see. Sorry about that. I'm really going to get shot. All right. Last uh, regular category. And um, all right. All okay. I know the word blind is politically incorrect, but practice saying it because you're going to have to say it. Let's say it five times so that you get that out of your system. Blind, 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 blind. I am blind and I am blind and I am proud of it. Okay. So all of the, this is called out of sight terminology and the, all of these definitions have the word blind, that verboten word inside of them, okay? Here's the first one. A piece of cloth tied around the head to cover someone's eyes. What is a blindfold? Very good. A social engagement or a date with a person that one does not know. Very good. You guys are unstoppable. Well, not quite. Okay. A screen that can be raised or lowered to let in or keep out the light. A Venetian blind is acceptable or also window blind. It doesn't have to be Venetian, especially if you're not from Venice. All right. It gets a little tougher now. A cul-de-sac or in French, cul-de-sac. Or a dead end. What is a blind alley? Blind alley, right. That's where we all go to do our bowling to the blind alley. Okay. All right, last one here. A children's game in which a blind... All right, you did it, you did it. Congratulations, you just graduated to graduate school. And the graduate school... Round the final Jeopardy round is, and I'm gonna. You're gonna have 30 seconds. Please do not shout this out. I want you to think this thing through, okay? And the ca the category of this is out of sight authors. So please do not blurt it out until the music stops. Okay? <laughs> Who was the out of sight author of Paradise Lost? Get good luck. Just a minute. Good luck, ladies. Yeah, the music's coming. Oh, these union, these union orchestras. What in the world happened? Oh, uh, there we go. 
So think about it. The outer side author as Paradise Lost. Now until until the end of the music. Remember, everybody's writing it down in Braille. The no commercials. This is the best. Kids don't enjoy homework, and they, they just want to sit around and play video games. And we live really in a gamified world from the perspective of a kid. Um, and gamification has arrived in, in education in a big way. Um, in regular ed, about almost all teachers are using digital games that were created for ed, uh, educational use. Um, about 20% of the teachers use these games every single day. And most teachers report that when you're using a video game, the students are much more engaged. Um, and the question becomes, why does gamification work so effectively? And that's because students own their own learning. And the basis of playing a video game is where they have the freedom to fail and try again. And by uh, going over and over, they discover their own intrinsic motivation. So kids want gamified learning. And Objective Ed, the, the company that I'm a co-founder of, exists to help teachers and parents and schools adapt to this new era of gamified learning for blind and visually impaired students. So how did I get involved in all this? Uh, 
Uh, uh, six years ago, I don't think I ever met somebody who was visually impaired. But I was watching my daughter on her 12th birthday, and every day, prior, about a month prior to her birthday, she'd write out a new birthday wish list. Uh -huh. um, and if any of you uh, have had kids, and notice what they do is before Christmas or Hanukkah or their birthday, they'll write a new birthday wish list every single day. And I was watching my daughter do this, and I thought, there should be an app for that. So I thought I could either create an app and then focus test it with some of her 12-year-old friends or make it into a STEM learning opportunity for the kids at her school. So I contacted the head of school and I said, I want to run an after-school club for about six weeks. I'll meet with the kids three times a week for an hour. And over that time, the kids and I will design this birthday wish list app, and then I'll do the programming at night because I've been trained as a programmer. So the kids and I met, and we ended up building up this uh, app called Wish to List, and we put it in the app store. The kids designed it. They, everyone loved it. They had lots of cool features in it. And then the head of school comes back to me and says, Marty, can you run the after school club again? So being an involved parent, I said, yes, that'll be fine. He said, also, after you drop your daughter off in the morning, would you mind teaching the middle schoolers how to program? Uh, so I said, okay. Um, and I did that actually for, for two years, for four semesters, and I found out why they have parents teach um, the, first, the uh, first period electives. And that's because these monsters in middle school take about a full 45 minutes to calm down before they're ready for the core curriculum. Uh, I think in the... the um, the final semester I did this, I had 18 students, six were gifted, six were, uh, had learning disabilities, and six were regular students. And, and even though you know, I had no degree in education and teaching, they, they still gave me the 18 kids to try to teach them how to program. But I managed, I managed through. But anyway, when I, when I met with the kids again, um, and for the app club, they said, we don't want to build some stupid app, we want to actually build a game. I said, okay, if we're going to build a game, I want to make sure the game's a lot of fun, but I don't want it to be like all the other games in the App Store, of which there are about a million. So why don't you go off and spend the next two weeks thinking about something unique, and when we meet again, we can come look at those ideas. And, and they did, and we'd come back two weeks later, and every game they proposed was just a, a clone of another game in the App Store. So I said, let's do something really different. Let's do something without the, without the screen. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well... If we can have a game that doesn't need the screen, that's really different. It won't be like anything else in the App Store. And we started talking about it for a while. I said, why don't we build a, a driving game for blind people? And they said, what do you mean? I said, so I took the girl, she was about sixth grade, and I put her in the middle of the room, and I said, you act like a cow. So she starts mooing. <laughs> then I took a boy, and I put him uh, at the other side of the room, and I put a blindfold on him. I said, you have to walk up to the cow, walk around the cow without touching her, and then get to the opposite side of the room. And he did that by listening to the sound of her voice and was able to locate himself. And from that, they understood how to orient themselves entirely based on sound. So we said, okay, we want to build a driving game like that, where you drive with your ears instead of your eyes. And the idea would be that if you tilt the phone too far to the left, the music gets louder in your left ear. Too far to the right, the music's louder in your right ear and you aim for noisy prizes like popping popcorn and avoid obstacles like barking dogs. So the kids and I worked on this game for about six months, built it up to about 60 levels, and then we put it into the App Store, and it was an amazing hit. Um, before we did that, we had tested it at a couple of, uh, of the lighthouses for the blind down in Miami and Fort Lauderdale. And when I brought it to the lighthouse in Miami, one of the teams, actually the team who named it Blindfold Racer, 
uh, asked me, is the iPad uh, screen blank when you're playing? I said, yes, because I want the same experience for blind people as sighted people. He said, well, you better put something on the screen because sighted people will think that their iPad is broken. <laughs> then a few weeks later, I tested it with some teens over the Broward Lighthouse for the Blind. And one girl who had been blind since birth had been playing, and you know, an hour later, I kind of debriefed her. I said, well, what do you think of it? She said, I can't wait to play with my sighted friends. I'm going to so beat their butt. <laughs> and then the final time, um, I was testing over at the VA Med Center. I had a connection in there, and I had some um, some of the vets who had lost their vision were playing. And there was this really crusty old admiral who um, was playing a little, and you know, he didn't want to play first, and then he started doing it. And then after about a half hour, he started to crack a smile. About another 15 or 20 minutes later, he was actually laughing as he played the game. And then, he started, then I said, well, what do you think of it? He said, it's nice, but your daughter is really snarky. It's my daughter's voice on blindfold racer, by the way. So um, let, me just, uh, let me just back up a bit. So what I want to do is I have a described audio of, of blindfold racer actually being played at the uh, Perkins Lighthouse for the Blind. I mean, Perkins School for the Blind. The title of this video is Teens at Perkins School Try Blindfold Racer. You're going to have to get the microphone closer to the speaker. Is that better? Oh, I should have kept my speaker connected. Oh, let me try to turn this volume up a little more. An hour later, and one boy wearing glasses and headphones raises his fist in triumph. Not enough. Okay. Put the microphone up to it. Yeah, it is. Another teen boy begins describing his experience with the games and snacks. Oh, okay. Um... Do we want to try hooking your, your okay, speaker can up? Okay, I think just, okay, that's, yeah. All right. Okay, um, can you talk about something while I'm hooking? Sure, okay. So before I do that, I just want to say, um, uh, one of the things I had done after I did Blindfold Racer, I was actually invited um, by Kim and Brian Charlson up, actually by Brian, and um, he sent me an email from the next time we went back to Maria. Can you Line up? in. You ready? No, okay. I'm having a Can you come up and visit me? And um, and uh, the next, I had gone back and forth between Miami and Boston a lot. Boston is where I built my, many of my software companies. And I had uh, the day before I get there, Brian said, instead of um, coming over to Carroll Center to visit me, you can stop by my house. I'm about two blocks from the Perkins School. So I get in there and uh, waiting for me. Uh, at his house was Brian and Kim and Judy Dixon and Doug Wakefield. And they had been up all night playing blindfold racers so that when I showed up the next morning, uh, they could tell me what they liked and what they didn't like about the game. And I remember at that uh, time, uh, after we spent about three hours talking about what would be a good game and what, what, what a game needs, Judy asked me for a 9 by 9 Sudoku game, um, which is just amazing that she can play that entirely in her head. Uh, Kim asked me for a solitaire game, and I think um, Brian asked me for a cryptogram game or something like that. But it was pretty much it. Like every month, I, I would be uh, producing another game because I was getting emails from people all over the world. Okay. Would that fit in your computer? Yeah, I'll try that now. Hold on. Um, Line in. Uh, try that. Is it playing? Um, 
not working. Uh, let me just okay, do you have that. another USB cable? You could try one of you could try that. Um, there's a there's a, another port. This is on, sort of on the fly. I'm really yeah. sorry about this. We Let's try this again. Is the volume up on this? Yep. Right. Turn, turn it up as far as you can get it on your computer. It may not work. I, I don't know enough about this. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're going to be able to do that. But so I'll just. I'll, no big deal. Um, let me get back here. No, it, it'll take a while to get my thing going um, the other way. So I'll just kind of describe. But anyway. Um, So uh, um, after I published, after I put out Blindfold Racer into the App Store, I started hearing from um, visually impaired people all over the world, uh, and uh, like they were asking for any dozens of different types of games. And, and since I was kind of semi-retired at the time, I would produce about, I would, as a hobby, create another, a new game about once a month or so. And at this point now. I have about 80 games, and there are 20, about 25,000 people worldwide who play these games. I think the most popular game, which was Blindfold Racer, has been downloaded about 57,000 times. Uh, cumulatively, across all the games, has been about half a million downloads. Um, about two years ago, I heard it from Diane Brown. Does anyone here know who Diane Brown is? Yes. Okay. So Diane uh, writes to me and you says, "What?" Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So Diane Browner is a TVI out of North Carolina. Uh, she blogs Perkins uh, Path to Technologies. She's been a teacher for a long, long time, done a lot of projects with many of the large organizations with blind. She's published things with uh, APH and, and National Braille Press. She's done projects in there. See at uh, Canadian National Institute of the Blind. Uh, very much of a leader in this field and very good with uh, educational kiddos. So Diane writes to me and says, I'm using your blindfold bowling to teach some concepts with these kids. And I'm also using some blindfold, uh, blindfold racer and blindfold barnyard for, to teach certain skills like laterality, left, right, directionality, compass directions, and clock directions. And uh, she said, can you create a battleship game for me? I said, why do you want a battleship game? She said, well, it's a great way for the kids to learn grid concepts, because as you playing Battleship, you'll say something like, do you have a, a ship at E5, Evan? And then you have, to have, you have to actually move there by you know, swiping left and right, up and down, and go A, B, C, D, or 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, to get from like A1 to B2, and so forth. So I built a Battleship game, and she starts using it to teach the, the grid concepts in her classes. And then a, a couple months later, she asked, can you build a tic-tac-toe game that's in 3D? I said, why do you want a 3D tic-tac-toe game? She says, well, this will use the same grid concepts, but the 3D objects, and by the way, uh, blind children are much better playing 3D tic-tac-toe than our, than our sighted children, because they can picture things in their head better. I said, okay, so I built it. And then over the years, Diane and I have stayed in touch. And about the same time, I happened to be visiting at some of the lighthouses, and I was up in the Lighthouse uh, Guild in New York, talking with a guy who, who ran that at the time. And he said, Marty, you should really take a look at building educational games for preschoolers and younger kids, because if they're visually impaired, they're really far behind their peers, because they don't have the ability to echo a lot of what they're doing and model those behaviors and learn. So I started doing some research there, 
And I went out to the uh, Vision Serve Summit in Tucson about two years ago, where I met with the heads of most of the lighthouses and a lot of the schools for the blind. And I said, I'm thinking of starting a company where we'll build educational games for kids tied to their IEPs. An IEP is an individual educational plan that any kid who is in the special ed department of a school, visually impaired or other limitations, um, has a plan on how to teach them the skills necessary to succeed in education and, and life. So I ran this idea by all, by all these um, leaders, and they all said, that's a great idea. I then uh, said, well, I, I need a little more information than that before I actually launch a company on that. My background is starting software companies. So I put out a survey uh, to all the people who knew about blindfold games. I have about 15,000 names on my mailing list. The games have been downloaded by about 25,000 different people. I have a Twitter feed, a blog feed, and all this other stuff. So I figured probably amongst that, amongst all the visually impaired individuals, there might be a handful of teachers who also pay attention. Maybe if these teachers could fill out the survey, I'd understand whether this is a good idea or a bad idea. I figured maybe I'll get a couple hundred responses. I ended up getting over a thousand responses, which is about one-sixth of the number of TBIs and O&Ms out there. I said, yes, there's a real, real need for this. Um, we knew we would have to raise some money for this company, so I started talking to some investors, people who had made money off some of my other ventures in the past. And the big issue is, uh, what did they said, well, what did people do before you had these blindfold games? How did the kids learn these skills? So I said, okay, I have to learn that. So I went out to the AER conference, this is a conference of, of TBIs and O&Ms that was held out in Reno last year on the national conference. And I would walk up to anybody and everybody who attended that conference and, and start out by asking them, have you heard of blindfold games? And if they had, then I'd uh, say, do you use them with your kids? They, they said yes. I said, okay, I need to talk to you for about five or 10 minutes. Can we go over to, and sit down on the couches over here and do it? And I would ask them, how do you use blindfold games with your students? And I learned three things. Firstly, I learned that the games are a great reward. If the kiddo had done their behaviors properly or had done their lesson properly, they'd get to play one of the 80 different blindfold games for a little while. Second, most of these teachers were itinerant TBIs or itinerant O&Ms, meaning they visited the child about once a week or in the case of North Dakota, about once a month. Um, when they, it was not unusual for them to teach them something one week, come back the next week and repeat the lesson over and over again because the kid didn't practice, the parents were too busy to practice with the kid, their regular ed teacher uh, didn't have a chance to practice because they were too busy with the rest of the classroom, the paraprofessional didn't know what was taught. So in general, the kid didn't make progress and the lesson would be, be repeated multiple times. If they used a game like Blindfold Barnyard to teach clock directions, then the kid actually made progress over that week. And the most interesting thing we learned was that since these are all audio games and blind children or visually impaired children are normally the followers in a group, they were much better audio games than their sighted peers. So they were thrust into the role of being a leader, which was a new experience for the kids, and they really liked it. So we saw, okay, these games have a lot of value. Let's figure out what we can do, what we, how to put together a company around this. So between my background in blindfold games, having built accessible audio games now for about five years, and my prior background of myself and my partners having started a company that did software for special education management between 2000 and the year 2000 and the year 2016, we were the largest vendor of IEP management software in Massachusetts and Texas. Um, we kind of combined the old teams together 
and basically formed Objective Ed. So Objective Ed is, is building games that are designed for pre-K through 12th grade students based on the core and the expanded core curriculum skills with games focusing on those skills, look all based around the, each student's IEPs, goals, and objectives, uh, building the game so they can be used by TBIs and O&Ms and assistive tech uh, specialists, with a, web for, with a web dashboard for actually tracking the student's progress and acquiring the skills. So if you look at what kind of skills can actually be taught through games, it's pretty much the entire expanded core curriculum. Sensory efficiency, where you're teaching audio location and movement cues. Orientation mobility, where we first start out with doing things on the iPad, and then doing things as a combination of moving the iPad, instead of just moving your finger around on the screen of the iPad, moving the iPad physically, or the iPhone physically, left and right and, and around, and then finally, completely physical things. Think of the equivalent of a, a Pokemon Go or other active games where you have to walk around a room with a device to tell you what to do. Um, I already talked about how the games have a component of social interaction with building games where uh, kids have to work together, both on a, playing in a virtual world to cooperate or compete with each other. We're doing things in Braille literacy. Uh, we're doing a lot of things in teaching assistive technology. And we're also looking at concepts like language arts, math, and science. So the, how does the whole system work? It, it's pretty easy. Using a web dashboard, a teacher specifies what skills she wants to work on with the student that week, um, usually based around the student, the objectives they have for that student and the goal that they're pursuing. Uh, we have multiple games for each type of skill, and then the game will focus on that type of skill. So if it's a game that uh, is, is teaching, can teach both laterality and directionality, and you're just teaching left-right, the game would just focus on that skill, the left-right. And then the student plays the game, and like most blindfold games, the objective that games are very addicting, so the student keeps playing the game, not realizing how much they're learning. And then the game actually evaluates the student's progress, making itself harder uh, as the student gets better to keep them engaged and entertained, or it gets easier if the student isn't achieving at the proper levels so that they always maintain like a 90% success rate. And then finally, the teacher or the parent can, can see the student's progress on a web dashboard at any time. And then, whenever, and then after the student's achieved those skills, it'll move automatically on to the next level. Um, let's see, uh, hold on. Uh, I want to talk a little about Blindfold Barnyard. I mean, Barnyard, which was built around, modeled after the original Blindfold Barnyard, but we now have a separate one for Objective Ed. And it can teach anything from left to right, to up and down, east and west. Uh, clock directions such as 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 and 9, or north, south, east, and west. And then finally, the ability to locate with a clock and then drag to a compass direction. Um, and the way it works is there'll be a, a cow, some, in one class example, there's a cow somewhere on the screen. And uh, the child will put their finger anywhere on the screen and will tell the, the child where the cow is related to their finger. So if the cow is directly above their finger, they will say the cow is at 12 o'clock. If the cow is to the left of their finger, it would say the cow is at 3 o'clock. When the child moves their finger around on the screen following those directions until they get to the cow, once they land on the cow, the cow starts mooing, and then it tells the child, okay, now drag the cow to the 3 o'clock fence. If the child drags the cow to the wrong fence, like the 9 o'clock fence where the horses are collecting, the child hears all the horse and all the cows scatter away. <laughs> if the child drags it to the correct fence, the three o'clock fence, then the child hears all the cows moo with appreciation and the child wins points. 
Um, so I'll skip over this video uh, and because, uh, you know, this mic's not working, I'm keeping the volume up anyway. But anyway, uh, I want to move on to the next thing, which is something called Braille Sheets. Now, in addition to these orientation mobility games I described and some assistive technology games, we were looking, uh, we remember that um, back in, in, I think, December, the National Braille Press uh, was running their Louis Braille Touch of Genius Award contest, where they would take the best technology for Braille um, and award a prize and, and a recognition. We said, we have a, a, a good idea that might be worth, worthy of that, and it's called Braille Sheets. And the, the idea behind Braille Sheets is you take an, a sheet of Braille, you put it on the iPad, and the iPad knows what's on that Braille sheet. And as the child reads the Braille, the iPad can actually speak the letters or words that they're reading. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, it's like a little bit of magic behind the scenes, and I'll explain how it works. But the whole idea is that well, since the iPad now knows what's on that sheet of Braille, you can build games out of it. So instead of it being the boring type of thing where you read a word and practice and read and practice and so forth, now you can do a game like Hangman, or you can do a game like Word Twist, or any number of dozens and dozens of other games, all based around the fact that it's going to be a Braille game based on an iPad, and the kid can have a lot of fun actually learning. And the whole idea behind everything Objective Ed is doing is that the teachers, the TVIs and the O&Ms will teach the skill once a week or as often as they see the child, and then the child can practice on their own uh, at home and they actually enjoy practicing and get better and better at the skills that they need. So, um, I'm gonna, let me skip this video. Okay, so Braille Sheets works on iPad, right now works on the iPad and the iPad Mini and we'll have it available for some of the other tablet devices like the Android tablets. And we have a variety of different types of Braille sheets that we're publishing, things like consonant, vowel, consonant words, three-letter words, four-letter words, sight words. Um, we've done things like it uh, for a hangman game. Uh, we have the, simply the alphabet in two different formats. One is A through Z, and the second one is uh, laying the alphabet out on a Braille sheet as a QWERTY keyboard. So that way the child is learning the layout of QWERTY at the same time as they're reinforcing their Braille. Um, now, now, I was working with Diane, um, Diane Browner with this in, in, in getting her ideas on it, and she connected me up with Penny Rosenblum at the University of Arizona to get her ideas on it. And both of them said, you know, it's important that not only does Objective Ed produce these Braille sheets to use on the iPad, but teachers need to create their own sheets. And I said, okay, we'll do that. So using the web dashboard, a teacher can create her own a sheet of Braille, be it the size of an iPad, which is about 11 lines long. I mean, iPad video is about 11 lines long, or an iPad, which is about 20 lines long. And she can create lists of words, and she can also create a story. So let's say she uh, she's working with a child, and the child is uh, really likes horses, and is just learning the AR contraction. So the teacher writes a short story about a horse, and what the horse does during the day, and what the horse does at night, and then includes a number of audio questions with it. And the child, either in front of the teacher or at home at night, reads the story in Braille on the iPad, on the sheet of paper on the iPad, and one of the audio questions is, where does the horse sleep at night? So the child reads through the words, finds the word barn in its contracted form, and then double taps the screen, and the child gets points for that, you know, dings twice and, and gets the correct answer. And the teacher can do any number of audio questions she wants that she creates, and anything related, and 
the child has a great time. The child can do, use as many different types of Braille sheets as the teacher has provided. So that's pretty cool that the teacher can create her own lesson content. When I showed this to Penny, uh, Dr. Penny Rosenblum, she said, you know, not only should teachers be able to create their own sheets, they should be able to share this with other teachers. So we built that into the system. So now a teacher in, um, say, Rochester can create a Braille sheet for the child based on the specific place where the child is in learning, push a button in the objective ed system, it's stored up in a cloud repository, a teacher in Seattle, who, and he also has a student who likes horses, is also learning some, some of the contractions like the AR contraction. He can download this sheet, print it out on his Braille embosser or, um, you know, print or emboss it on a Perkins Brailler, and then set the kid up with the same Braille sheet and he has all the work already done for him. So we envision over time thousands of teachers creating lesson content for all the teachers. So less time will be spent coming up with custom content for the kids and more time will be you know, simply searching on the, um, on the repository for uh, things that other teachers have done and to be able to really cooperate and help each other. So that's actually being built into the system and I'll kind of go into that in a little bit. Uh, so uh, with the web dashboard, which is fully accessible, uh, a teacher can uh, customize all the games for, the, for a given student in terms of how hard the game is, how quickly the, uh, the kid moves through the game, you know, whether, always, whether uh, the kid has 30 seconds to solve something or five seconds to really let the game proceed at the kid's rate, what the success target is, uh, whether the, the kid is, uh, low vision or blind and, and how the game should act that way, uh, the size of the icons if the kid has low vision, uh, whether the music is distracting or whether it's encouraging. So all that can be tailored for the child. Um, and then we're making it available on, on Apple devices, Android devices, and other touch center devices. We're making it available in English and Spanish and French. We'll do other languages. And we're making sure that everything in, in the educational suite we're doing makes sense for both blind, low vision, and sighted students. So let's say a kindergarten teacher or a third grade teacher wants to use one of these games for her entire classroom. For the uh, blind child, it would be an audio game. For the, the child with low vision, it would be large icons and bold colors. And for the sighted students, it would be a, uh, the icons would be fully animated and it would be, feel like a regular video game from their perspective. So that's kind of what we've done. Um, what I want to do now is kind of bring it that, that presentation is really where, yeah, I'll get to you in a second, is really where we were as of like March of this year. So I'll take some questions and I'll kind of bring you, uh, go up to where, where we are as of the summer. Yes? What's the charge for joining a business? What's the cost of this? Yes. We haven't set the cost. We, we are, um, it's going to be done on a per student per basis uh, per year, per student per year. It'll be in the range of probably be $200 to $300 per student per year, and that'll give them all the games. Uh, the, the teacher will have the full dashboard to control the game, but it's really on a per-student basis, so the student can use the games all the time. Now, with this comes all the blindfold games as well. Uh, blindfold games cost between, uh, they're all free to download, to evaluate, and then go between $5 and $15, depending on the game. Okay, so our goal here, the difference between the blindfold games and the objective ed games is blindfold games are built mainly with the purpose of entertainment. So 
The objective ed games are built with the purpose of teaching specific goals and making sure there's a web dashboard where the teacher and the parent can see uh, whether or not, how closely the child is achieving those goals, where the child is having problems, and making sure that the information from that can be used as part of the child's progress report on their IEP. So, and then, uh, since we have so many blindfold games, uh, the teacher can also determine what games the child, what blindfold games the child is allowed to access uh, and for how long. So, uh, when I gave a talk at the American Foundation for the Blind Conference, I had a lot of professors there saying, you know, these kids are playing too much uh, video games, you're just encouraging them to play more. And I said, well, these are educational games, but we'll add to the system the ability for a teacher or a parent to say, they can only play one of the blindfold entertainment games after they've achieved certain goals and limit the amount of time they play and limit which games they want the parent wants to let the child have access to. Yes. Can yes. I ask you something about the blind sheets? I think I missed something. About braille sheets? Sure. Uh, they're using the iPad, does, but the iPad doesn't raise the braille dot. Ah, the magic. Yes, so how does it work? Well, as we all know, every Braille character is of a fixed size, a fixed height and a fixed width, and the Braille definition has a, says how much space is between each Braille cell and what the, the size is between each line. Which means if you're in the very upper left corner of a piece of paper, you know that's the first Braille letter on the page. And you know where the second letter is and the third letter and so on. So what we do is we translate the position you are on the iPad to the letters that correspond to that braille sheet. Each braille sheet has a number. So you type in the contents of the braille sheet you want for the child up at the website. And then that way we know what is in position one, position two, position three, so that when those same positions are touched on the iPad, we look for that correspondence of, well, what's the letter that would be in position one on the first line? What's the letter that would be in position you know, one on the second line, and so on. So that's how we do the trick. And when we were prototyping this and, and seeing whether it was feasible, we basically tried to figure out how thick can you put a piece of paper on our iPad and the iPad will still know what you're touching. We found out it can be about as thick as a business card. Now a business card is about paperweight of about 140. A piece of braille is paperweight somewhere between, you know, light braille is, like, is about 80 pounds and heavier braille is about 120 pounds. So in either case, um, since we knew we could do about two business cards worth of thickness on an iPad, pretty much any piece of Braille you print out can be, the iPad will know where you're touching, and then we simply translate that to the corresponding uh, letter. So the, the process is the teacher types in on the web dashboard the, the paragraph or the words for the child. We lay it out on the Braille sheet. We either directly print that Braille sheet on a Braille embosser, or show you on the screen what you need to emboss using a Perkins Brailler, and then from there, there's a one-to-one -one correspondence with all those positions and the corresponding so Braille letters. You put the piece of paper with the Braille on it over the iPad. Exactly. Okay. Okay. We are about running out of time. Mr. Schultz? Yes. I, we are just loving this. We are just about out of time because we have to do a business meeting. Is there a way you can give us some contact information so, sure. can, so we can connect with you individually at the convention? Y yes, yes. So I'm around all weekend long. You can email me at marty at objectiveed.com. Marty at objective, okay. Okay. Um, or marty at blindfoldgames.org, whichever is easier for the type. If you're doing objectiveed.com, remember it's objective ending in E, 
ed.com, but marty at blindfoldgames.org might be easier to remember. Just so if you want to meet me or talk in more detail with me, I'd be glad to. Um, just shoot me an email um, and say where you are and I'll find you. We hate to stop you because you can tell by the questions people are really, you know, excited. We've got into a business meeting and elections, but this has been fabulous. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to everybody. And, you know, again, you know, you want, it's Marty at Object, Marty at blindfoldgames.org. You know, feel free to uh, reach out to me. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be talking several times over the uh, next two days. Anybody wants to go there? Sure. Um, someone. Okay. Uh, between um, eleven fifteen and four p.m., there's an IAC session at Riverside Anthony. Um, it's called four one one from the IAC. I'm going to be there for about an hour on Sunday. I know I'm going to be uh, a few minutes up at the general session. And then at uh, 3.30, uh, I'll be talking in detail about blindfold games at the uh, uh, Convention Center Highlands C. So 3.30 tomorrow, Convention Center Highlands C, and today sometime between 1.15 and 4 p.m. at the Riverside Anthony. Thank you. Thank you so much. pretty riveted here. This is really exciting. Thank you so much. Well, thank you again. Okay, um, what I'm going to do now is I am going to, in just a minute, I'm giving you a minute's notice to get your writing gear ready, announce the closing code, but I'm also going to remind you that tomorrow, July 7th, we're also doing note takers, choosing the right one, and it's going to be um, presented by our own Steve Dresser, who will do a fantastic job, and that's going to be in the McQuaid room at Riverside on the third floor. So now that I've told you that, let me give you the closing code that you will need for your CEs um, and for this, this particular, and you'll get one credit for attending this. And again, I'm going to give you another F. You all deserve an A, but it starts with an F. Sorry, but think of F as fabulous. Your code is F4252. That's F as in Frank. Four, two, five, two. And let's give a hand to Marty Schultz. I'm going to give a hand to Thank you.